You see, a saint is nothing more than a sinner set apart to be the people of God. You see, at one time they were outside of the people of God, but God, by his grace, brought them into his family. They've now been set apart to be God's people. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. Holy seems to be a popular word in the music industry these days. Two popular songs have come out with the title Holy. Justin Bieber is one of those artists. And in that song, he says that the one who holds him makes him feel holy. Now, for the most part, this is a, actually a pretty song. But is that the right use of the word holy? My intention here isn't to be critical of Justin Bieber. But can you feel holy when somebody holds you? Likewise, Florida Georgia Line put out a song named Holy. And in that song, he says that the one he is singing to is holy. And as I understand the song, this person came and rescued him from a broken heart and saved him. Now, I'm assuming he's not talking to God. I'm assuming he's talking to a girl. And he declares this person to be holy. Again, I'm not trying to be critical of their song. It's actually a very pretty song. But is that the right use of the word holy? Well, it's actually not. In one sense, the word holy has the idea of being completely apart from sinful man. So a holy God is pure, sinless, perfect. But holy also has the idea of being set apart for God. So we refer to the Holy Bible. That's God's word to us. It's different from any other work. But there's another sense of the word holy that kind of blows our minds. Did you know that if you're a believer in Christ, you are holy? Now, I'm assuming you're going to look at your life and you're going to see all your sins, not just that you committed yesterday, but the ones that you committed today, maybe even five minutes ago. And you're going to wonder, how am I holy? I sin. But I want you to see something. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 1, and see who Paul is writing this letter to. According to the English Standard Version, he's writing to saints. Now, we typically think of saints as those Christians who are far better than the rest of us. They have their lives together. They did great things for God. Those are the saints. We think of like St. Augustine, St. Christopher. And we tend to think that those elevated Christians, those are the saints, but not me. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the Ephesians he's writing to, they're saints. And the word in the original that's translated saints is the same word that is translated holy. You see, a saint is nothing more than a sinner set apart to be the people of God. So what Paul is saying to these Ephesian Christians is, you have been set apart to be God's people. That's why he calls them saints. These aren't Christians who stop sinning. These aren't Christians who did great things for God. These are Christians like you and me who struggle with their sin every day. And yet, Paul calls them saints. He calls them holy ones because they've been set apart to be God's people. To get a better understanding of this, let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. And notice what Peter says to the people that he's writing to. He tells them, at one time you weren't a people, but now you're God's people. You see, at one time they were outside of the people of God, but God, by his grace, brought them into his family. They've now been set apart to be God's people. 
At one time they were nobodies, but now they're the people of God. You see, now they're holy, not because they're sinless, but because God set them apart to be his people. You see, that's really what holy is. Yes, holy has this idea of being pure, sinless, perfect. That's God. But holy also has this idea of something being set apart to be God's. So we have been called out of the general population to be God's people. That's what makes us holy. It's not our conduct. It's the fact that God set us apart to be his people. That's what makes us holy. And we are united to Christ by faith, and he is holy. So we are holy by our union with Christ, and all of this a work of God. Now, there's another word that is translated from this word in the original language where we get holy, and that is sanctification. Or said another way, sanctification comes from the same word as holy and saint. And so I want to take the remainder of our time to look at sanctification. And in order to do this, we're going to look at question 35 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And there it asks, what is sanctification? And it answers by saying, sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Now, the first thing that I want you to see here in sanctification is is that it's a work of God's free grace. Now, the two questions just before this begin very much like this, except there's a change in one word. Justification and adoption are acts of God's free grace. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace. So the difference between justification and adoption and sanctification is justification and adoption are one-time act. You see, we have been justified. It's done. We're not unjustified, then rejustified, and unjustified and rejustified. We're justified by faith because of our union with Christ. Because of the work of Christ, we are justified. It's done. We cannot be unjustified at this point because our salvation is a work of God. Same thing with adoption. Adoption is an act of God's free grace. God adopted us. He's not going to unadopt us. I mean, think about it. If you have adopted a child, you're not going to unadopt the child. Even if they act out, you're not going to unadopt them. They're in your family now. They belong to you. You're going to love them and discipline them, but you're not going to unadopt them. So it's the same thing in justification and adoption. It's an act of God's free grace. It's done. But sanctification is an ongoing work. Now, what happens in the sanctification? Well, we are renewed. So part of this is regeneration. We're made alive with Christ. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, if you haven't done so already, you can listen to episode 5, where I review Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and I talk about this regeneration. So in sanctification, we are renewed, and we're renewed in the whole man after the image of God. So going back to Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And from that point on, we are depraved in our entire being. We call this total depravity. So sin has affected every part of us. So in sanctification, God is reversing that. And we're being renewed in the whole man, in body and soul. Doesn't feel like it, right? We're going to reach a point where we die. But that's not the end of the story. You see, resurrection is coming. So in this sanctification, God continues to do the work. We're renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and we are enabled, that's a key word here, enabled more and more to die into sin. Now notice here, 
sin doesn't disappear. We're unable to die to sin more and more. But even this answer recognizes the presence of sin. And again, Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 7. And again, if you haven't done so already, listen to episode 12, where I talk about this in a little more detail. But in Romans 7, Paul even admits the desire to obey God, but the inability to do so. And the reason why is because of the constant presence of sin. In fact, in verses 17 and 20 in Romans 7, he says that it is sin that keeps on sinning. So this catechism question here recognizes that sin is ever-present, but by the power of the Holy Spirit as he regenerates us, he enables us to die more and more unto sin. You can look at this as a downward trend on the stock market. So if you're an investor, you're very familiar with a stock chart, and typically the stock market trends up. But there are some businesses that are starting to go bad and they trend downward. Well, that's actually a pretty good illustration of the Christian life. Sin is trending downward. It will always be present till the day we die, but it's trending downward, and that's the point that this question is getting at. We are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin. But it's still there. It's still trending downward. But look at what it says next. So we're enabled more and more to die into sin and live into righteousness. So sin is trending downward. Living in righteousness is trending upward. Now again, we're not going to be perfect at all on earth. God sees us as perfect because we're united to Christ. So he sees us perfect because Christ is perfect and we're united to him. Think of a branch engrafted into the vine, where that branch is is now getting the nutrition from the vine because it's been grafted in. You see, it's the vine that gives life to the branch. Jesus used this very illustration of himself in John 15. So we upward trend living in righteousness, but not because we're righteous. Because remember, in the very same question, we see the presence of sin. There's a downward trend, but it's still there. So you see that sanctification is a work of God's free grace. It's not done. We are sanctified. We see that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul calls the Christians saints. They are holy. So we are sanctified, but we're also being sanctified. It's an ongoing work. So why is this important? Well, I think primarily you need to know who you are. You need to know that you've been set apart for God to be his people. That's who you are. I'm going to encourage you to read my blog article, Identity in Christ, A Source of Comfort. And you can find it at thefoxdenjournal.com slash identity. And there I talk about your identity in Christ. And I think this is so important for us to remember who we are. We are the people of God. At one point, we were nobody, but God brought us into his family by his grace alone. So now we're the people of God. Not because we're special, but because of God's grace. I also think this is important because you need to know that sanctification is an ongoing work. As you live the Christian life and you fail over and over and over, you probably tend to get frustrated, thinking, why can't I just stop sinning? Why can't I just live for God? Why do I keep failing? Because sin is present. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace. It's not done. God's not done. I also think this is important to distinguish between sanctification and justification. A lot of Christians mix these two up. Many assume that their justification is a work, 
we think that we can sin and then we're unjustified. Well, that would put salvation on us, but salvation is purely a work of God. And according to question 33 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, justification is an act of God's free grace. That means it's done. Sanctification is different than justification. The two are not the same thing. Sanctification is based on justification. You cannot be sanctified if you're not justified. But if you're justified, you can't be unjustified. And justification is complete in Christ, but sanctification is not. It's ongoing. Yes, we are sanctified. Yes, to some degree, sanctification is complete. But sanctification also is a continuing process. I also think this is important to remind us that sin is ever-present. We're unable to die more and more unto sin and live unto righteousness. But again, if we're dying more and more unto sin, that means sin is still there. So here's my assignment for you. I'm going to encourage you to memorize question 35 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And I think this will be an encouragement to you because it will remind you that your sanctification is an ongoing work. Now, let me just point out one more thing that I think I forgot to emphasize. The answer to this question says that we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. Notice it doesn't say we are being renewed. It says that we are renewed. I think that's an important distinction. We are enabled more and more to die into sin and live unto righteousness, but we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. As you walk through the remainder of this life and you struggle with sin, first of all, know that that's going to happen. Again, Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 7. Remember what's coming. Resurrection. There's going to be a day when you rise from the dead in a body that cannot sin, suffer, or die, and you will live forever with God. And at that point, there will be no more enabled more and more to die into sin. Because at that point, you will never be able to sin. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. You see, our life down here on earth is filled with sin. Now, we tend to look at other people and think, well, I'm not like them, right? I don't sin as badly as they do. Well, it's actually kind of a distortion because we sin in so many ways, and most of the time we don't even know how we sin and when we sin. But we live in this world and sin feels normal. So what is to come is just unimaginable. But we are going to be with God forever in bodies that can never sin and will truly be holy. And we will be in perfect communion with God in body and soul. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can find this podcast on several different apps. If you like what I do, please leave a positive review. Please share or tell others about The Fox Den. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. Also, check out thefoxdenjournal.com to find articles and other resources. Thanks for listening.